0: This is Michael Migliero, the Chief Marketing Officer from Big Time Studios, a new game company dedicated to crafting online adventures through space and time. I am here on the edge of NFT, the podcast bringing you what will stand at the test of time and throughout all of space. Keep listening.
1: Hi, NFT curious listeners. Stay tuned for today's episode to learn how Big Time is creating an ownership economy for a game that's absolutely fun to play.
2: And why caring might just be the secret to getting everything else done right in life.
1: And how revel.xyz is changing the face of social media through NFT trading and gameplay.
2: And don't forget, we put together a gathering called NFTLA just a few months back that brought out thousands of the world's most innovative doers in the Web3 space. Head over to nftla.live to get tickets to our bigger, bolder, and better, but also just as intimate and impactful event happening in Los Angeles March 20th to the 23rd, 2023. We'll see you there. Welcome to the Edge of NFT with your hosts, Jeff Kelly, Ethan Janney, and Josh Krieger.
0: The podcast that brings you the top 1% of NFTs today and what will stand the test of time. We explore the nuts and bolts and the business side and also the human element of
3: how NFTs are changing the way we interact with the things we love. This podcast is for the
2: dreamers, disruptors, and doers who are pumped about this ecosystem and driving
1: where it goes next.
2: Today's episode features Michael Migliero, the chief marketing officer for Big Time Studios, crypto's first AAA quality multiplayer ARPG. Before this role, Michael was the founder and CEO of Fractional Media, a mobile marketing platform that uses machine learning models to optimize decisions, Michael then joined Machine Zone as the director of DSP for mobile games, working on titles such as Game of War, Mobile Strike, and Final Fantasy XV. Michael joined Big Time in 2021. Big Time is a free-to-play multiplayer action RPG game that combines fast action combat and adventure through time and space. Michael, welcome to Edge of NFT. Thank you so much for having me, guys. Yeah, it's yeah, a
1: pleasure. Yeah. It's good to have you, Michael. And this is a show that we've been looking forward to because we heard about this project a little bit after it started. Some of these juggernauts and traditional gaming are getting together to do something new and original. And that sounded pretty exciting to us. And it really does feel like you guys are on a mission to change the trajectory of crypto gaming. Can you tell us a little bit about what that entails and how it came to be? Maybe how you landed in the spot you're in along the way? Sure.
0: So I've been mostly in the marketing side, or I've been doing user acquisition since about 2008, super long time. And over the years, I've worked with many gaming companies. At one point, I had something that was like a marketing technology company combined with an agency. So I worked with a whole lot of games. So I have a pretty good understanding of games. I have a decent understanding of game economies. And I was sort of early into crypto. And Ari is someone I've known for a long time. And I think what was really interesting was when Ari was talking a lot about how this idea of, gee, all these players are spending all this money in video games, and they don't really own anything. And when you think about video games over the last 30 years, you can think about uh, video games in these like five-year increments, right? Where video games used to cost like $50, and you could see them getting better and better and better. Right, like think of like Nintendo to Super Nintendo, think Super Nintendo to Nintendo sixty four. The thing is, like over the last ten years or so, that momentum has kind of slowed down. And all the while, these video game companies are asking for more and more money. They're making more and more money. In twenty twenty, video game companies made something like one hundred ninety billion dollars. It's more money than most other forms of entertainment. So I think the general idea, or one of the core ideas behind big time, is that the players may have an important position within the game, whereby the players are able to sell what they own in the game, which is a pretty new idea.
2: Yeah, it's exciting. And it's like, for I was just having a conversation with a fellow podcaster just earlier today about the rise of social media and the journey that we've all been on, kind of wondering how to make our place in that. And there's an analog there of just kind of like giving value to a system. And that system just kind of Thing, thank you. or <laughs> not thanking you, <laughs> but you don't get much back. So it's really cool what you guys are working on. So general question for all our listeners out there. So how does big time go beyond the sort of 2D experience of a play to earn title?
0: Maybe a better way of structuring that question would be like, how does big time compare to what you call like the first generation of play to earn games? Is that a better way of phrasing the question? Yeah,
2: for sure. And also just kind of like, how are we doing more off screen and on screen, and taking things through different dimensions, basically. Yeah.
0: So, yeah, I think the best way of thinking of that question is to sort of think like of the first generation of play to earn games versus, now I don't know if we would call ourselves a play to earn game. We certainly incorporate NFTs. But anyway, the thing that you basically see with the first generation of play to earn games is you see games that really were crypto first, game second. These games were made fairly quickly. They didn't really have customers when you think about it. Like, what is a company without customers? Like, a company without customers is more of a service. And that's really much so of what existed before. And all these companies are really trying to solve this problem of how do we have a game where the players are perpetually selling in the game and they're able to make money? I think what really separates big time in this regard is that big time is really focusing on making a game that is fun, where we are going to basically let the players own a part of the economy and can do what you can't do in a game like Fortnite, where you can sell what you make in the game.
1: Yeah, I mean, that's a pretty drastic move in terms of going beyond the sort of pay to win or pay to play model. And it can really get gamers that are more traditional in nature excited. Can you walk us through a little bit more of the nuts and bolts of the economy and some of the features of it sort of out of the gate and then down the road?
0: Sure. So first of all, just gameplay-wise, this is an action MMORPG. It's sort of a Diablo or the Warcraft hybrid. So that should be a good description of what the gameplay is like. Oh, actually, I should mentioned, you know, it's PvE, 6 man Dungeons. You now have about 30-man instances that we call public events. So super rich gameplay experience. But the key things to understand at first are that when the game hits open beta, which should happen this year, The game will be free for anyone around the world. Anyone will be able to go to the game, click download, install the game in a matter of minutes, and they'll be playing. You don't need to know how Ethereum works. You don't need to know how blockchain works. You don't need to own Bitcoin. You'll just be able to play the game. So free to play. And the game is not a pay to win game. If you choose to never put a dollar into the game, you'll be able to play the game just as well as anyone else. That's super duper important. Now in the game, we sell, there's two types of things that are sold. There's, let's call them, there's like space, land, and utility NFTs. If you own that stuff, you can participate in the crafting within the game. If you don't own that stuff, there'll probably still be some things that you can do. We haven't quite specified all of that just yet, but in general, you own space, you own land, you own the utility NFTs, you're going to be able to participate in the crafting. The other thing you can buy in the game is cosmetics. Cosmetics, they just make you look cool. Now, one really key important thing to understand about game is the season concept. So in becoming you have seasons. Every season we're gonna list as the game company, here's all the things that you can craft. All the people that own space will be able to go into the game and craft those things. So right now, when a game has a patch and they have a new season, right? The game company typically lists to the store and they'll say, hey, here's all the stuff you can buy. And big time, it's different. Now, the players see all the stuff that they can craft. They go rush and it's a race to basically be able to craft all the stuff to sell it to the other players. And in each set of armor or weapons, there's also just one unique. And everything crafts up. So the lower level things turn into the higher level things by combining multiple lower level things. So each season is actually really, really exciting.
1: By the way, I like the term cosmetics as opposed to like skins. I feel like it's a little bit more accurate of depiction of what we're talking about. And maybe that terminology will be a little bit more gender inclusive, too. I mean, this idea of like putting on new skins, it's a little bit creepy at the end of the day. And cosmetics is sure. like, 100. 10%. I guess you could call my hat a cosmetic. I do wear it on the regular and you can take it on and take it off. And yeah, there's something cool about that word. I just want to point that out.
2: Josh, I'd like to wear your skin, if you don't mind. Does that sound No, man. Kind of...
1: <laughs> no, that's that's creepy, dude. You can have my cosmetics, though. <laughs>
0: nice. What are you say, Michael?
1: No, 100%. We are optimizing the language all the
0: time, and especially in the most recent you know, downturn. We're definitely trying to stay away from NFT. But collectible cosmetic, very mm. good word. Nice. We like that word.
2: Yeah. And we haven't really... Dove really deep into it, I would like to let our listeners get a little bit of exposure to kind of like the concepts around the game of like time and space. And what do we mean when we're playing the game through time and space specifically? What's the kind of like storyline behind all that?
0: So we haven't released a whole lot of the storyline just yet. But what I can tell you is that in the game, we have this concept called space. Space is our take on virtual land. There's only 600,000 of them. We sell them right now on www.openloot.com. The game has to do with time travel and the cryptocurrency in the game is called time so land is space the cryptocurrency within the game is time okay very cool i wish there was but something the, we could do with this revolves- episode where we could
2: like do some weird time travel thing where like we're talking to the past or future version of michael and so on and so forth <laughs> we should have planned that out <laughs> but yeah it's fun i know there's some inspiration from einstein and relativity and fun stuff like that what are the details behind the big time invite-only beta models? What's that looking like right now?
0: So when we look at our time, if we're looking at our uh, roadmap. It's actually on the website. We are currently in EAL. Uh, we have been in EAL since I think about April 14th or 17th. It was about when it started. have been in EAL for quite some time. The next Can you define that term? Phase. Can you
2: define that term for, to be honest, me? Yeah. But yeah, EAL since well, your yeah.
0: early access launch. Okay. It means a lot of different things to a lot of different game companies. Typically, in the game industry today, EAL means you're giving with a very early version of the game. Hmm. So in our early access, especially early on, we made it very clear to the users there's going to be a lot of bugs, there's going to be resets, not all, there wouldn't be a whole lot of content at first. So all of that has improved over time. Now, the biggest thing that we just defined was the economy. the economy, we just defined it, I don't know, maybe two months ago, three months ago. But anyways, the really big thing that's coming out with invite-only beta is that is when the economy will actually appear in the game. Right now, what we do is we drop pre-crafted weapons and armor. You can see them right now, they're on our store, www.openloot.com. But when we get to invite-only beta, that's when you'll be able to actually craft, that's when you'll actually be able to collect the cryptocurrency. So that's a huge milestone because for the most part, one of the reasons a lot of people are interested in games like Big Time is while the gameplay is really great and all, this idea of crafting the stuff in the game is super new. It's what people want. So it's a huge milestone for us. And we're probably aiming for Q2. We've been pretty good about getting things on the front side to the back side when we look at quarters. So we hope we can do the same again.
1: Well done. Very cool. cool. Are there any other utilities around the NFT itself that you haven't touched on yet?
0: So, I mean, I think the first thing to understand is there's definitely two types, right? There's cosmetic and then there's utility. It's always worth reinforcing that neither are going to make you great in the game. You got to be good yourself. You got to level up yourself. Then obviously the utility, NFTs have utility in the sense that they can participate in the economy, they can craft, they can collect. I'm sure that the scope of what can be done will increase. The game team is super duper creative and always looking for ways of making the game more exciting. But in general, general focus is we don't want to become a pay to win gaming company. We really want to focus on making the game super duper fun and letting the players craft the stuff and sell them to other players.
1: Yeah, no, I like that. It's like when you think about professional sports, like you can't use that stuff that causes you to have better performance than everyone else but you can sort of get into different leagues and play different competitions and have different types of perks if you invest in the sport. So I appreciate the analogy there. To call out the sort of pink elephant in the room, we are sort of in a quirky beer market. Folks like Ethan, myself, Jeff, the rest of our team, we like to ride the beer. It's pretty fun. But I'm curious what it's been like sort of building this game and starting in a relatively bullish market and then that transition to the bear market and how that sort of shaped the process of building this game and engaging in the community.
0: I think I have an actually decent comparison. Um, this reminds me much like the early app store. So what's the first mobile app game that you can really remember? I'll, I'll ask around before.
1: I, I, I mean, it. I played Madden, like I've been a mobile Madden so like on the iPhone. Fan. Yeah. Yeah
2: i don't remember okay. i mean i feel like the only thing that and i didn't really play it much but i just know like people were playing those jewel games that was like the thing that everybody mm. played that's
0: later yeah that's later isn't so, it? so i'll tell you angry birds oh, okay
1: oh yeah. yeah no i totally played me some angry birds too angry birds was 2009 and everyone was so
0: excited about angry birds i remember when angry birds came out and angry birds said we're going to sell apps And it was super duper interesting. And the only problem was no one had a business model. I mean, like you could make some money on like the brand spend because there were some brave brands out there who said, we're going to burn some money on mobile. But in general, there was angry birds. And you really go... What's interesting about the mobile app industry is you basically saw like this huge fundraising that goes on for like two years and everyone building all these games that no one can remember. But then something happened in 2013. Does anyone remember what happened in 2013? Candy Crush. And so from Angry Birds to Candy Crush, you basically had this period where everyone was trying to figure out the model. Some people tried to make all their money through ads, but there was no business model that could scale into that. There was no one that could buy that endlessly. It was all burn. Then you had games that attempted to lock their game. They would like say, all right, if you want to like get a pay per level or you gotta pay one time, you get know, that's all levels. So there's these two models, but now really work. The problem with the second model was that you couldn't make enough money off of any individual user. This is a game of wham. So what, what made Candy Crush work was that Candy Crush basically had deep monetization rabbit holes. And all of a sudden, they were looking at RPU or revenue per user that was like many times like the industry standard. And that's why in 2013, if you guys had a mobile phone, all you ever saw on your phone was Candy Crush. And I was there for all of this. It's actually very common in the mobile advertising industry for a company to have like 70, 80% of their revenue from King.com. So when I look at the industry today, I remind you of this period where the industry, everyone was excited about it, but no one really knew it. We kind of know it doesn't work right now, but I think the biggest thing everyone realizes right now, the games really need to be fun. The games need to operate more like game companies. You need to have customers. You have to have people that want to buy what you're selling because the game itself is fun. That has to be first and foremost. These shortcuts of really focusing on play to earn first before anything else, that works during a bull, but it certainly doesn't work during a bear. So I I don't know if that was too long an answer, but that's kind of how No,
1: no. I appreciate your perspective. I mean, these cycles always happen and they're happening sort of on a micro and a macro level globally all the time. And I think we talk about them a little bit differently in crypto because I think we get so excited about (laughs) the innovation and disruptive potential of the industry. But fundamentally, when you build a business, you build it around a problem, a solution, a customer segment that is not sort of temporary. It's not there for a year and then it's going to go away, right? So everything that you're saying tells me that you guys are building for the long-term. And that's what we need in this industry right now.
2: 100%. Yeah, yeah. Agreed. And this, is, this is a certain community. And I think we get to tap into it, which is really great with NFTLA and the podcast as well, the builder community, the folks that... It's kind of like when you were talking about the early access users of a platform. That's a certain type of user that's kind of similar to people who are willing to build in a bear. It's the user that's willing to use that thing because they're so excited about it and that it's being developed, that there could be bugs or there could be things that need to be dealt with. And maybe they even actually enjoy being a part of that process, right? Like helping to sort of build the game and get through things. It's kind of like where we're at right now, the way you framed it. So there's a lot of buzz around big time. And we're curious to see what's going to happen here in 2023. Is there anything that you can share with us? I've got 12 months ahead of us basically here. Anything you share with us about the roadmap here?
0: Yeah, so we're in EAL. Really, the next big thing on our roadmap is getting to invite-only day, and that's going to be huge. That's when crafting happens. That's where the coin enters the game, and I think that's where everyone's really focused right now. Because you got to remember, like our community, we really have to thank them so much. We didn't really define the economy until Q4 last year. And if you think about it from April till about Q4 of last year, we had not defined the economy. We didn't give them all the specifics of how things were going to work. They really had to trust us. And boy, the Discord was getting really difficult at times. They had a lot of questions. We just couldn't answer them. So we came out strong Q4. We told them, here's how the economy is going to work. We published it in the Wiki. We created a lot of videos. Then, of course, we actually surprised them at the end of the year where we actually allowed people to enter their space for the first time wasn't the biggest thing in the world, but the next big thing to do is to get to crafting and to actually integrate this economy into the game. So that's really the next big thing. There's a lot of things in the year, but honestly, we stay pretty focused on really getting to the next thing. And that's definitely the next thing.
1: Very cool. Exciting. Speaking of which... There's been a lot of incredible projects over the last year, and even most recently, just projects that are announced and selling out this week, like MemeLand, the captain's project. I'm curious what projects you've been following in the space, if you have any alpha for our community, just projects that you appreciate, their ethos, what they're building, something about them that you're interested in.
0: So I got to tell you, like we really come to work laser-focused. And we really stay focused every single day. We really just kind of stick to our KPIs. I would say, I mean, I feel so guilty because like the projects I would mention are like friends of mine. Like I kind of look at those and those are people I converse with. So I don't...
1: That's cool. I mean, we can give them a shout out. I mean, Uh, if you want. On the next podcast, we'll talk about it.
0: But there's a lot of great projects out there. I can tell you what to look for. Like it's all about gameplay, guys. Can you play the game? How far along is the game? And... Will the game get customers? If your game has customers, like most gaming companies, I'll tell you guys right now that the chief metric most people are looking at is new paying customers and new paying users. And then we're looking at RP, revenue per user. And when you look at revenue, you really want to think about it in like two days. So at least like when we look at our game, we definitely look at all right, like these are people who are traders and like these are people who are customers. So you definitely want to look at who's buying this sword in the game because it makes the character look cool because they want to hold on to it for a long time. and They want to play the game for a long time. So we really have to start like thinking that way. And when you look at and you evaluate games, don't look at the hype because that comes and goes. And if you're looking at the hype, you're probably buying it at an increased price point. Instead, look at, all right, I can see myself playing this. I can see myself spending an obscene amount of money in this. Whatever is giving you those feelings, that's what
1: you should be buying. Very cool. And
0: just think of it this way. At this point, guys, if you cannot play it yet, why buy it?
1: Mm -hmm. Good point. Yeah. Um, And that,
0: by the way, I just did you all of it. I just just really drunk the the pool down.
2: Yeah, that definitely. I keep thinking about Roblox. I mean, Roblox is a little bit out of its peak right now. But we heard about it over (laughs) and over again on the program is that kids like to play that game. They were just obsessed with it. And that's, I think, an important thing to remember. You gotta make it fun, you gotta make it engaging. And it's unobviously easy to forget that in, with a lot of hype or prediction about what's gonna happen and stuff like that. You have questions about blockchain? Like, how big of a block can you chain without throwing out your back? Or have you received that chain letter? How did you block it? And does blockchain taste better barbecued or deep fried? (laughs) Luckily, you don't have to ponder these quandaries alone anymore because blockchain training alliance is here to answer them and also train you in real world blockchain issues that will impact your business's bottom line and oriented future forward along the ley lines of the most important tech humanity has perfected since harnessing atomic energy So hurry and sign up for the Blockchain Training Alliance course that best fits your needs at blockchaintrainingalliance.com. Use discount code EDGEOV for 50% off and start your next block today. All right. I think that could conclude our natural part of the interview. Next segment would be edge quick hitters. This is a fun, quick way to get to know you a little bit better. There are 10 questions and we're looking for just a short single or a few word response, but we can feel free to expand if we get the urge. Are you ready, Michael?
0: Not at all, but sure, let's go for it. (laughs) All right.
2: Well, I'll take the first two. What is the first thing you remember ever purchasing in your life?
0: First thing I ever remember purchasing, Mega Man 2. I'm not even like the biggest gamer, but I remember obsessing over that. And I do remember buying that
1: or being given it. I played me some Mega Man in my days. That was a fun game. That was a great game. Fun fact. Like back then when like Japan was in its
0: like heyday and like top of the world, they would actually put class, like really good pianists or musicians in it. And still to this day, the end song of Mega Man 2 is a very popular piano song that you can revisit on YouTube. They actually still play it. It's incredible.
2: That's really awesome that you said that. It's Mega Man
0: 2 Dr. Wildly piano. YouTube now. You can thank me later.
2: Yeah. We're on the same plane. Okay. Number one, I'm a piano player myself. So it's interesting you brought piano into it. And then I was going to say, I was just talking to my sister yesterday and her and her husband really into gaming and they help out at some gaming conferences and stuff like that. And she's like, yeah, you wouldn't believe it. There's these bands that just play video game music on like musical instruments. Right. And I said, I know the guitar player from my college band is really into what they call chip tune music, which is basically you'd make music with a Game Boy and you only are limited to the sounds that a Game Boy can make. And all within these communities, it's super exciting and Mega Man, as you said, is like very popular for its musicality. People love that music. All right, on to the next question. What's the first thing you remember ever selling
0: in your life? Pogs. There you go. That sounds about right. I was born in 1985. So, yeah, you know, we're, we're right in there. Pogs were a thing when I was like six or seven.
1: Nice. I like I it. I love how
2: these kids' toys introduce kids to economics. I never really
1: thought about how that happens. And
2: it's kind of an interesting introduction to economics.
1: Totally. Let's fast forward. What is the most recent thing you purchased? I got a terrible I just got a new iPhone. Oh, nice. You got the 14? Yep, the 14. It's, it's you- a bugging up. That's why we're on the iPad today. All right, cool. It's not like yeah, you I'm, Zuma, I, yeah. I'm thinking about snagging one of those. You'll have to let me know what you think. And what is the most recent thing you sold?
0: So I actually own a lot of parking space. I actually sold a parking space this weekend. Oh, really? Austin parking is a uh, super duper sought after so <laughs> That's awesome. like they're basically like they're almost like house housing prices at this point in other cities. I just want to, this I'm diving in deeper because I've always
2: noticed this. Like when you look at real estate, right? On some of these sites, you'll see like some of the real estate is just parking spaces. And like I'm in Chicago, I'm sure it might not be as bad as Austin, maybe it's equivalent. But yeah, there's parking spaces, but which basically cost the same as like a studio apartment someplace else, right? How did you get into that? Like how long have you been investing in parking spaces?
0: I mean, I don't know. Like the thing is, there's different boards online where people sell their parking spaces and it's like, incredible like during covid because a lot of people were just selling their parking spaces a lot of people are moving to austin and they don't drive so they sell their parking spaces and if you hold on to them what actually happens in some of these luxury buildings is this happens more often than you think there'll be somebody who buys like the penthouse in the building and they have like eight or nine cars but most units you're going to get like two or three so yeah i snag them when i can and i just kind of hold on to them and parking is super tight in a state like boston so it's not like a big thing or anything it's like when there's deals i buy them and it's actually like something a lot of people don't think about it's a really easy thing very cool
2: interesting to learn a little bit more about that world all right next question is what is your most prized possession tell me it's a parking space
0: (laughs) (laughs) what is my most prized possession I guess if I said by crypto, that would be a really boring answer. So I actually inherited my father's coin collection. And this is something that came upon me pretty recently, that he has some ancient coins. And I mean ancient. He's got coins from Rome. He's got coins from Greece. Most of what he's got is like pre-World War I, early American money. Like all kinds of crazy coins i actually had to like pick them up recently it's about two or three months ago and this is something he built over a lifetime so i would say that i'm actually so new to the collection i haven't been able to like discern which coin would be the one i like the most i'm still sort of determining that now but i would say that's the coolest thing because it took my dad about a lifetime to build
2: nice now you have everything from ancient greek coins to all right If you could buy anything in the world, a digital physical service experience that is currently for sale, what would it be? Anything
0: in the world? Tell me Um, it's a parking space. Sorry. That's not a (laughs) parking space. I could buy anything in the world. I mean, how could you not want to own a professional sport sport franchise at this point? I mean, you hear all the stories. I mean, we just watched. I don't know who your football team is, but.
1: um, Sadly, I'm a Patriots fan. We just lost out on this playoff run.
0: So I'm born and raised in Massachusetts, and the rest of my life. So I guess the Patriots would be a great team to own. So if I had like four to, what do you think cost like six eight billion dollars? I have no idea. Aren't the Redskins selling I, right I, now? So yeah, if I could do anything, sport team.
1: Yeah, um, I think the Patriots are one of the most expensive sports teams in the world. But I'll go in on that with you. There you go. If you could pass on one of your personality traits to the next generation, what would it be? I care a lot.
0: I Hold a lot of passion for most things I do, and I take everything very seriously. And that's super duper important. Definitely, whatever you do, you definitely want to really you know, try no matter what. I stupid. Wake up very excited every morning. I would say that's the thing that matters the most. There's a whole saying, which is like showing up. And literally, if you just care, you will show up. And I would say that. Care. Definitely care about
1: all the things you do. Totally. And if you could eliminate one of your personality traits from the next generation, what would it be? Ooh, I can eliminate one thing. So I'm from Boston. So are you from Boston? Yeah. No. Yeah. About 30 minutes north of Boston. Sure. Whereabouts? Uh, Peabody. Peabody. So I went to, um, so I, just so you know, I went to St. John's Club in Danvers. So. Okay. Yeah. Done. Yeah. So uh, I would say.
0: Yeah. I be- also
1: spent some time in Danvers too. Were you a Bishop Fenwick kid? No, no. I went the public school route. Okay. Super cool.
0: Anyways, I would say definitely relax a more. I don't think most people need to relax a little more. But I think if you know what I mean, if you can kind of see me and be a Noah Shore kid from Massachusetts, we definitely work a lot. Definitely wish to relax a little more. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Cool. I hope you took some time off for the holidays.
0: We did not.
1: Oh, (laughs) there's the secret. All right. Well, we did. We did take Christmas Eve
0: off. We took Christmas off. We took New Year's Eve. We took New Year's Year's off. But We worked regular hours.
1: All right, you guys Marketing are, are building and getting ready for the big launch. I get it. I agree. Some R&R in the mix at some point along the way is not a bad thing. It's funny, right? Like working on
2: holidays is commendable in some ways, right? It means you're a hard worker. But don't get caught watching like the Christmas story, right? Because mm. <laughs> you get in that Ebenezer Scrooge category. It's like, hey, wait a second. I thought I was just like a hard worker. Now I'm like, uh, I'm a Scrooge. I don't think so. All right. Next question. Listen, everyone
0: listen, just want to be clear. Everyone at big time, you have know, time off, time off. And <laughs> it just happened that, you know, we had a big we had a holiday sale and we have anybody yeah. on day to prepare for. Everyone on the team is super motivated. So and again, this is the marketing team. Um, most of the other groups that took time off.
2: Yeah. I mean, listen, Scrooge New is year. a little bit of credit for his work ethic, I guess. I say. <laughs> Go ahead, John.
1: No, I'm just thinking of the children of the marketing teams like saying, yeah, right. (laughs) (laughs) But it's all good.
2: All right. What did you do? This is the second to the last number nine. What did you do just before joining us on the podcast?
0: We had our uh, marketing ambassador meeting and we went over our ambassador portal. And that's been a big thing for us. We just sort of started this ambassador system, which is great. It's like another form of monetization for our, Players who are fantastic networking and want to generate some commission. So,
2: yeah. Well, it's fun. Yeah. We should have an edge of NFT. Day, guys. It's- we should have an edge of NFT ambassador program. If you're a listener and you want to be an ambassador, let's talk. Let's see what it looks like.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Just shoot us a note. Contact yeah. at edgeofnft.com and we'll figure it out together. We'll co create the program.
2: Yeah. Yeah. We'll send you to North Korea and to do some diplomacy. <laughs> no, <I'm> just kidding. <laughs> All right. The last question here is, what are you going to do next after the podcast?
0: After the podcast, definitely going to go for a quick run. And then we typically have one-on-ones and yeah, in the afternoon, you got to get out and get some real vitamin D, huh? Before the uh, sun goes down. That is good
2: to hear. That is good for your health. Hey there, NFT space cadet. Let's zoom in on the globe from outer space today to Abbott Kinney Boulevard in Venice Beach, LA. Let me show you a cosmic tech beacon that shines out among the bustle of fashion, art, and food there. It's a thriving software dev, data science, and design studio known as AE Studio where scores of the sharpest minds have come together to help founders and execs create software and machine learning solutions that are not only profitable and increase our agency as humans, but that give us that warm, fuzzy feeling that elegant tech so wonderfully does. AE's breadth of talent allows them to build anything from instillvideo.com. It's a health, fitness, and wellness app that makes your chakras tingle to award-winning brain-computer interface solutions that could quite literally bend our minds. Oh, and keep an eye out for Token Runners, their NFT white-label marketplaces, as well as our highly anticipated NFT drop, Boomer NFT. Now, for all you DGens who strive to shed the Cumberbund and pearls, comes a jaw-dropping, awe-inspiring partnership, not seen since the heyday of Shaq and Kobe. It's called Edge of AE Studio. That's edgeofae.com. Actual results may vary depending on moon landing location, domain of stardom, scale, and model of yacht, as well as weather scale model of yacht or actual yacht. Awesome. Well, that was quick hitters. Thank you so much, Michael. You did a great job with that. And next we'll be moving on to our hot topic segment. And for that, we'll be bringing on another special guest. His name is Adi Seidman, CEO of... Revel.xyz, and every time I see, him, I want to say Revel just because like my musician's hat is like screwing with me. <laughs> but yeah, Revel.xyz. Adi is a pioneer in participatory media, creating multiple apps and companies in the UGC and blockchain space. Adi runs Revel.xyz, a social collectibles platform. Prior to Revel.xyz, Adi ran Open Props, a loyalty token company, and You Now. The live streaming service with over 120 million monthly sessions. Adi, it's great to have you here on Edge of NFT. Welcome.
3: Thanks for having me, Ethan and Josh. Good job, Mike.
1: Yeah, man. Had a chance to hang out with Adi on a panel at LA Blockchain Summit. And I was like, just so fascinated by your background and what you're building from this idea of pioneering so many different elements of this industry and web two, bring them together in this sort of social collectibles platform and would love to search, clarify for us like revel xyz is it a social network is it a social gaming experience is it a marketplace what is it i'm on there i'm having fun but i don't know what i'm actually like what kind of economy am i in
3: i know i know i'm trading with you well revel has elements of all three and it's really inevitable that media published on social media by people will all be ownable and collectible. And this reality triggers a new breed of services, services that are part social networks, part marketplaces, part social games. And that's what Revel is. It's like a cross between Instagram and Robinhood wrapped in social game economics. But at its core, as you said, it's a marketplace where on the one side it allows anyone to easily create their own digital collectibles, think baseball cards, but not limited to baseball players, where anyone can easily create them for their followers, for their friends, for their communities. And on the other side of the marketplace, it's the followers, friends, and communities who can now own an addition, a piece of media that they like of the people that they're following. And it really creates, in many ways, a marketplace for people. Think about it. Paris Hilton mints a picture of her dog. I mint a picture of my dog. Hers is worth $9,000. Mine is worth nothing. And it's not about the dog, the same dog. That's about other things like popularity, scarcity, affinity. Wait, are you saying you
2: stole Paris Hilton's dog? What's going on No, no, no. I'm saying
3: my dog and her dog are both pictures of dogs.
2: (laughs) Yeah, no, that makes a lot of sense. Like, it is very interesting when you reflect on it. And it's sometimes even just hard to grasp. Like, the effect of... And I think that's also part of what's integrated in all the interest in, in tokenomics and currencies that are outside of fiat is that there's all sorts of economies that are built outside of fiat currency, right? Around social communities, around gifting, like around entertainment value, just building credibility even is like a huge form of currency they call it political capital and all this stuff, right? It's kind of what you're getting at, right?
3: Yeah. Yeah, and the long tail just becomes longer and longer every year in terms of creators. There's tens of thousands of new creators coming online every year. And if you think about it, like Paris Hilton's here, I'm here. There's millions of people between me and Paris Hilton. There's Betty from the Home Room, who's gaining 50 new followers a week, and her stuff is worth only a buck fifty. Maybe I'm a genius for offering two bucks for it. Why? I see the data. So in many ways, this is what we've built and at the core of it we've mentioned social network we mentioned marketplace but let's talk about the game elements and mike knows all about this at the core we have game concepts that allow us to manage multiple economies of multiple people you or paris having 5 million followers i have only 500 followers we have very different equilibriums and needs for supply etc what's the optimal supply that will bring the most revenue and the most engagement for me, very different than for her. She probably needs a lot more. And so we have this concept called proof of demand minting, where everyone can mint their initial collection, but only people who get collected can mint more. And that allows us to manage an infinite amount of economies with each economy getting its own healthy level of supply, healthy level of inflation, and optimal engagement levels.
2: Hmm, I like that. Yeah, it makes a lot of sense. It's a very simple but effective kind of a filtering mechanism. What do you see as the impact here of this digital media ownership having on social networks in general? Yeah,
3: I think everyone in the space is focused about art ownership and tokenizing and all kinds of stuff. But the reality is that people's personal media for the first time in history is ownership enabled. And that is a big deal. And we know that Facebook and Instagram and other big guys are spending fortunes to explore that area for a reason. And it opens a whole new design space where the social media experience is changing in a profound way from a relationship between people and their followers to a relationship between people and their stakeholders and people who have a stake in the media and the personal brand of other people and of each other. And really ownership opens this never before available value proposition for people. We know all about the value for creators, and we've seen a lot of innovation for creators over the years, revenue sharing, subscription, creator tools, and now with blockchain ownership and royalties and control over their IP, we know all about that. But think about it, the follower for the first time since the beginning of social media, The followers having a new value proposition. The followers have always been the numbers, the likers, the viewers, the consumers. There was zero innovation for it. And now with the ability to effectively co-own the media they consume, followers for the first time have a stake in the community that Mm -hmm. they
2: participate in. Yeah, And
3: and that's a really powerful new experience.
2: Yeah. There's always patterns and trends with our guests, right? There's clearly a, sort of something going on at the same time with both of you guys, Michael and Adi of just community ownership, right? But one thing that Adi bringing into the equation here is like the social sort of network side of it a little bit more heavily. Michael, how does social networks integrate with what you guys are doing? Is that something that is it super heavy? You talk about this ambassador program and in a sense that does reach into the networks that people have socially. Do you think about these social networks a lot?
0: I think anyone in a marketing role certainly does. I think the way we touch social networks is going to be very different than the way Adi does. But yeah, man, if you're not thinking about how you're working with social networks, then uh, you're going to really struggle to find users. But very different than what, I mean, Adi's part is um, sort of doing these things with social networks. We're just using them.
1: Well, I also think, Michael, there's a social network component inherent in big time too, right? Like within the gameplay experience, how gamers interact with the other gamers that are playing the game.
0: Yes, for sure. I mean, like there's definitely going to be a form of social networking there in a game, right? Certainly we'll organize um, them into different groupings, but certainly at every opportunity we have the opportunity to use existing things, we will like we didn't build our own that we you, well we do have in game chat, but we use Discord, for example, to organize them, right? So, we're going to build our
1: own streaming system. We'll use Twitch. So, I think we're definitely
0: using what's there.
1: That's good news for you, Adi, because what you're building is quite comprehensive and robust and will probably help a lot of people enter Web3. I'm sure this is a question that you get a lot, and we're all watching enthusiastically as OpenGPT and other AI types of products evolve. My girlfriend recently did a rap battle with ChatBTT. Yeah. Open chat. And I think she got outbattled, to be honest. It was a really compelling rap that this chat tool did about dogs. But what do you think is the impact of generative AI on social media and NFT space? And I feel like it's changing by the second.
3: Yeah. I mean, first of all, we are seeing a new phenomenon in the tech landscape that we've never seen before, where we're experiencing not one, but two, once in a generation disrupting technology converging at the same moment. And that is blockchain and the ability to own digital assets and generative AI where anyone can easily create high production value media. And the outcome on for social networks is they're going to look very different very soon. They're going to become a place where people are collaborating, creating, co-owning, and doing it in an immediate and accessible way. Like you'll be able to create 30 frames per second, and it's going to be created within that second. And what does it mean? Like today, people collaborate on YouTube. They're like, oh, can I make a video with you? They have to fly together, they have to this, they have to organize, I have half a million followers, you have 2 million followers, it's good for me, it's good for you. They negotiate all of that stuff out the window. It's like collaboration is instantaneous by anyone, with anyone, and that is a really really big deal how it supercharges that and then when you add to that the blockchain where the ownership is built in where the ip is built in so you know if i want to collaborate with you i may not even need to ask you i may just use your models because you've put them you know and made them available tag you and then you can see the final thing and say yep i'll do this thing with a d or nope i'll do it with somebody else and that's really really exciting and we are all over that. We're working in this design space between blockchain, generative AI, and social. And it's a wide open field. And we're able to cater to our users. We're we're bringing thousands of new users at Revel XYZ, Revel.xyz every day. And we're really psyched to be in the space now.
2: So that's exciting stuff. And you're very enthusiastic. We have two very enthusiastic guests today. It's always a good sign, especially in our barren market. <laughs> Let's talk about the giveaway. You guys got a little bit of a giveaway queued up for us, Adi. Want to make sure that we highlight that before you roll off. Do you want to tell us a little bit about that?
3: Sure. One of the gameplay elements, we mentioned gameplay, is a Joker token. And a Joker token allows you to more easily collect other people's stuff and get benefits out of that. And we're giving away today a bunch of Joker tokens, and I'm going to pass it to you to tell them all about it, Ethan.
1: Awesome. Yeah. Well, I'll take a stab at this. So basically, the goal is to give away up to 50 of these and we'll release a fun contest on social and through our newsletter. And there'll be some basic things that you have to do to have a chance to compete. And then, of course, if you win, you'll download the app and sort of get onboarded as part of the experience. And you get a chance to try out this really cool product that I've been using For the last few months since Addy and I hung out and I know you won't be disappointed. So really appreciate your generosity, Addy.
3: Of course. And we'd love for everyone who's listening to come in. We can't wait to give you this advantage in the community of owning a Joker token allows you to move much faster and you'll get a feel for it. You don't need to spend money. It's a free to play game. And you just create your own assets and start uh, trading, just like Monopoly. I'll give you two of these for three of yours. Screw that. That's not enough. Add a little bit more. And it's really a trading game in many ways. And the Joker will give you a big leg up.
2: Right on. Very generous. Thank you so much for sharing that. Before we roll off of featuring you, we want to make sure we find out where people can find out about you on socials and the web. So, can you give some shout outs there to those locations? Sure.
3: So. First of all, we're in the Apple App Store, the Android Store, and you can find us on revel.xyz, download the app, install, you'll get the bonus. And then on Twitter, revel.xyz, on Discord, revel.xyz. And we can't wait to see you and trade together. Perfect.
2: Thank you so much, Adi, for joining us. It's been a pleasure. Can't wait to chat more in the future. It's great to have you here today. Thank you so much for having me. Beautiful. Well, you can roll out. And I think we've got one more hot topic that we're going to cover with Michael and give a chat about because it's so interesting. So Shopify merchants can now sell Avalanche NFTs through their online stores. If any of Shopify's millions of merchants want to sell NFTs, they don't need to point customers to a dedicated marketplace like OpenSea or Magic Eden. Instead, they could mint and list NFTs through their existing storefront through one of Shopify's blockchain apps. Thanks to Venly, those NFTs can now be minted on Avalanche. Very interesting. Big deal for Avalanche. Of course, there's other chains that this could be happening on and for it happening on Avalanche is very impressive. And also kudos for the growth of Shopify and what they're bringing to the table. In addition to being able to be a storefront application, having the ability to bring in cryptos is pretty cool.
1: Yeah. I mean, this is a big deal from a lot of different perspectives. Certainly like NFTs are fundamentally another form of e-commerce and Shopify is the leader in e-commerce at this point. I think it's fair to say they've earned it. And this is sort of laying the pipes for decades to come. So kudos to Avalanche for pulling this partnership off. Michael, any thoughts on this one?
0: Sure. I have a number of friends who have built fortunes on Shopify. like billion-dollar companies. And I've got friends who have built their own platforms. And recently, a very good friend of mine, actually, he's going back to Shopify after spending, who knows how much building his own thing. So when I hear that they are able Shopify, that's super smart because let's face it, not everyone is really into crypto still. Not everyone is really into NFTs. And effectively, when I think of Shopify, I just think of all of these really smart sellers. And when they get in that platform, they're just equipping more of these people to be able to come up with the new and interesting ideas around that piece.
2: Yeah. Shopify is one of these examples. And of course, similarly, Stripe of just these, it reminds me with sort of web two, or just sort of the web in general of analogs to web three about these things where you know you see the technology and you say, this should be possible. I should be able to sell some things on a website, right? And then like you said Michael a bunch of people are working on it, trying to make it work but it's not always happening and it takes an incredible amount of diligence to be the one that says we are going to make that app that makes it so anybody can have a store and build a I don't know what you said a billion dollar company or something like that's crazy right but it's a big deal to accomplish that and create that resource knowing that it's just knowing that it's possible is just the only and, first
1: and, step. Yeah, and, and this sort of integrates with all sorts of other programs and perks that these online companies have, right? So with Venly, they can easily design and mint NFTs like regular products, but they can also combine these with digital products, and they can offer membership perks. and I think this opens up a whole new set of tools to online storefronts and a whole new set of experiences to online consumers. So excited about this one and some nice news to start the year
2: yeah awesome and also kudos to shopify for the flexibility to have this type of thing emerge is pretty cool all right well i think that's all for our basic episode content today we want to make sure before we sign off michael we get to know where our listeners can go to learn more about you and the projects you're working on so if you could share any social links or websites that are relevant that'd be great
0: yeah definitely our webpage www.bigtime.gg. We are a Discord first company. So be sure to join our Discord, stop into the general chat, say hello. We have the best community in the world. We are nothing without our community. Just tell them that you listen to this podcast and ask them questions, and they'll surely help you. They'll play with you. Yeah.
2: Awesome. That's great. And also, we are doing a giveaway as well with you guys. So excited about that. Listeners, you can tune into our Twitter and socials to learn more about that. But we have some Ruby pass, allow list spots, and that should be fun to grant. And we'll have some following and Discord joining to make that all happen. So very exciting stuff. Appreciate it. Anything else before we roll out, Michael?
0: No, guys, thank you so much. We booked this a long time ago, and I'm so excited to finally be able to talk to you guys.
2: Yeah, long time coming. Time is relative, as we know through the game big time whatever little pun there
1: <laughs> yeah keep us posted michael on everything you guys are up to you guys should play sometime, for sure let, let's do it i'm down tonight sure. let's do it anytime you guys let me know we'll play bring madden we love play all right yeah all right. i'm gonna take you up on that one evening this week to chillax see for you, it's work. you for me it's actually not work so there you go. <laughs>
2: all right we have reached the outer limit at the edge of nfts for today so thanks to everyone for exploring with us we got space and let's say time for more adventures on this starship to invite your friends and recruit some cool strangers that will make this journey also much better how can you do this go to spotify and go to itunes right now rate us say something awesome go to edge to dive further down the rabbit hole and look us up on all major social platforms by typing edge of nft with no spaces and start a fun conversation with us online. Lastly, be sure to tune in next time for more great web3 content. Thanks again for sharing this time with us today. The views and opinions expressed on the Edge of NFT podcast reflect solely those views and opinions of the show creators and its guests. We're learning as we go just like you. Please make sure to do your own research. Our
0: podcast is not financial advice. There are multiple strategies and not all strategies fit all people. We understand that you're using any and all information available on or through this podcast at your own risk.